Good morning, church family. How are y'all doing this morning? Good. Man, what a worship. Um, man, just listen to that song that, that we sang. Um, in all our life, he has been faithful. Uh, and may we be quick to, to celebrate the faithfulness of God. Um, you'll see as I've titled this uh, sermon, Trusting God in the Midst of Transition. This is, um, this is a time in my life, uh, in mine and Heather's life, where we're in a season of transition. Um, for those of you that don't know, uh, Columbus has been home for us for a, a good long while. Um, it started back in 2016 when I was working on summer staff at Pine Cove. Um, and I would come here on Sundays. I would ride with, with Cade Thomas, who plays the guitar up here sometimes. We would come to church on Sunday mornings and, man, just enjoy our time here in the body of uh, believers here at First Baptist. And that went all the way through 2018 um, as a summer staffer. And then in 2019, I, I stepped on full-time with Pine Cove. Um, and I've been here ever since. This is the place where I, was, I got married. This is the place where we had our first child. Uh, this is a place where I got ordained as a minister. This is a place where I got ordained as a deacon. Um, and in a few short weeks, my wife and I will be transitioning to Tacoa, Georgia, where we'll be taking our next step with Pine Cove. And so when Victor asked me back in, um, man, that was early spring, I guess, that uh, Victor came to me and said, hey, I would love for you to preach. And I was like, man, I would love to. That sounds awesome. Um, but little did I know the transition that would be taking place uh, at this time. And so um, I just want you all to know I am honored uh, to stand here before you, to be part of this body of believers. Um, but more than that, I'm honored that I'm a son of God uh, that has an opportunity to proclaim the goodness of who he is. And so my heart and I, what I want you to hear out of this is that throughout all of our lives, we're going to be going through some season or some, tr some change and some transition. Daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, there's always going to be a time in our life where things are changing. And so as we're about to see in this story of, of Abraham and the promises of God, my hope is that, is that we would cling to the promises of God. Because the circumstances of life are going to flex. They're going to change. Circumstances might be awesome. We might be on the mountaintop. We might be also in the valley low, but like, but the reality is that God doesn't change. He's not a God of circumstance. And so uh, I would ask you just to stand with me as we read God's word. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 6, and it'll be on the screen for you here. And it says this, For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having pa patiently waited, obtained the promise. Sorry, I lost my spot. For the people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie... We who have fled for refuge might have a strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. 
We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Let me pray for us. Father God, you are good. Father, you are holy. Father, you are faithful. You are consistent. You are constant. You love us regardless of the love that we pour out to you. Father, I pray that as we dive into this passage, Father, I pray that we would be reminded of your goodness. I pray that we'd be quick to remember your faithfulness. I pray that we'd be quick to put our entire hope and our trust in who you are. Father, and as transition and change happens in our life, may we cling ever so more to who you are. Father, I pray that as we we dive into your word, I pray that you would reveal yourself to us. I pray that your Holy Spirit would dwell richly in us, that uh, it might illumine uh, and, and show us what it is that you would like us to learn. Father, we just pray over this time. We are so grateful that we get to gather as a body of believers to learn from your word. Father, may you bless it, may you be glorified, may you be honored, and may you be praised. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So, um, so as I just want to, I'm just going to start this off by saying, uh, I'm a, I'm a good old boy redneck from Alabama, um, and so there might be some things that I say today that you're like, well, I don't know if that should have been said from the pulpit, but to that we say roll tide and we keep moving. Uh, no, but uh, it's funny, as I was preparing for this sermon, I, I know the one thing that I wanted to talk about was change and transition, and I wanted to talk about how faithful the Lord is despite what's happening in our lives. Um, and Tammy was reaching out to me this week, and she was like, hey, uh, we, need, we need a title for your sermon. We need to know the passage you're talking about. We need some PowerPoint slides and all that good stuff. And I was like, okay, sounds great. So I threw something together, and I really felt like this passage, which is not an easy one to just articulate, uh, was one that we needed to walk through. And so uh, that passage that we just read out of Hebrews 6, it's talking about Abraham. Um, the first kind of point that I want to make is that God makes a promise to Abraham. Um, Abraham, back in Genesis 12, verse 2 through 3, God gave Abraham the promise that he was going to make his descendants uh, a big, big, big group and nation of descendants. Abraham at the time did not have a child. And so he's like, how in the world is this going to happen? In Genesis 15, 5, God tells Abraham that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky. Again, Abraham's like, how is this going to take place? Abraham's wife, Sarah, at the time, Sarai and Abram, they were, Sarai was was barren. She could not have kids. And so Abraham is, is hearing this promise from God and is wondering, how in the world is this going to be accomplished? I can't even have children. And then the Lord promises Abraham, um, in Genesis 17, 19, God tells Abraham that his barren wife will have a son and they shall call him Isaac. In Genesis 22, it says, I, sure, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So God made a promise to Abraham, and Abraham had to accept that promise, and it was not without struggling. It was not without a lack of trust, or it was not without a lack of of faith. 
Abraham was not just so pure and blameless that he just held tight to the promise of God. We have this whole story of Sarah coming to Abraham and bringing him Hagar, their servant, and saying, oh, the Lord said that we need to have descendants and we're going to have kids. And so here, sleep with Hagar. He sleeps with Hagar. And they have a, a son and they call him Ishmael. It's really funny in that story because God has promised that Abraham will have descendants, but this wasn't the way that the Lord designed it. And so as it talks about Ishmael, it literally says that he will be a wild donkey of a child. And it's funny because they stepped outside of God's design. They stepped outside of what God had called them to. And so you see, as, as we walk through life, the Lord has given us many, many promises of who he is, of his character, of his nature. And it's our responsibility to be faithful to those things. But also Abraham did this by faith. He was faithful to what the Lord had promised. He also had lapses in his faith like we just talked about. Something that was crazy while I was walking through this and studying for this, this sermon this morning was that I learned that it was a 25-year process from the time when God told Abraham that his, his wife Sarah would have a son. And it was 25 years before that promise came true. You think about the time period of 25 years of having to remain faithful and trusting that the Lord was going to do that which he said. And the Lord did. He followed through. He is faithful. And they had a son, Isaac. And the Lord has told him, hey, you're going to have so many descendants. You're going to have more descendants than the stars in the sky. And it took 67 years before Isaac had his first child. So as we think about what we walk through, as we think about what the Lord has called us to, what he has promised what is set before us, God's timing is perfect. Ours is not. And so as I look at the story of Abraham, and I'm just reading this, that when God made a promise, he had no one greater to swear by that he swore by himself. The Lord took the step to, to swear by himself that the promise would come to fruition. Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And it says, and thus Abraham, having waited patiently, obtained the promise. The Lord is faithful. That's the, that's the message. That's it. The Lord is faithful. No matter the time period, no matter the circumstance, no matter the faithlessness that we show, the Lord remains faithful. His promises will ring true. The question is, are we going to trust? And I can only think that um, in the short term, Abraham was like, man, is this actually going to take place? Is this actually going to happen? And Abraham, to some degree, kind of put God in a box. Like put God in a box in the, in the sense that, oh, it's not taking place the way that I think it should or in the timing that I think it should. But the, 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 the reality is that it, it took place. And I think that... Um, when we think about our lives and we think about what we walk through, I think it's easy to put God in a box. As I think about the transition that Heather and I are about to make to Tacoa, Georgia, it's easy to put God in a box and say, all right, like, you're going to be faithful. You're going to do that which you've called us to. You're going to bless our ministry, but it's going to take place in the way that we think it's going to happen. See, when, we, when I was first offered this position with Pine Cove to move out to Georgia, the time frame was, oh, just be out there by October 1st. We're 
like, okay, we can do that. Yeah, yeah, we'll do that. That, that timeline has moved up, and now we're going to be moving on August 11th. And the question that keeps raining in and the question that I keep having to answer of myself is, Lord, do I trust that your timing is perfect? Do I trust that you are faithful? Do I trust that you're still going to move in the same way you said you would move? Do I still trust that your ministry is going to take place here in Columbus without me? Yes. I'm just a man. And so as I've just walked through this passage of, of, of Hebrews 6, I'm just reminded of the fact that the Lord is going to do that which he seeks to do. The will of God is going to take place regardless of us. And so as, as we look at this passage in Abraham or in, in Hebrews that is talking about Abraham, he says, it talks about how he's going to make Abraham and his descendants bless other nations. Little did Abraham know that Jesus would come from the line of Abraham. Abraham's probably thinking about kids. You know, he's thinking about kids. He's thinking about grandkids. And so when the Lord says that I'm going to bless nations by you, probably didn't click that God was going to deliver the son, his one and only son, that would one day save all of humanity through him. The point that I'm trying to make is that we often get short-sighted. Oftentimes we look at our circumstance and we go, okay, well, this is what God has planned for right now, but we don't know what he's doing with it down the road. As we keep going through this passage in Hebrews 6, um, in 16 and 17, it says, For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. You know, oftentimes when we, we're buying a house or we're making an agreement, there has to be some sort of contract. There has to be some sort of confirmation that we're going to stand by our word. Well, the Lord, first of all, swore by himself, and then he made an oath. And as we read through this text, it, it, it kind of comes across like the Lord's making an oath to Abraham in and of that moment. But I think it's bigger than that. I think that the Lord's oath of carrying out his promise and carrying out his will is something that goes beyond just Abraham's circumstance. I think it's something that transpires across all of time, across all of our, our lives. And I think the way that the Lord is confirming this oath is through his word. In Matthew 5:18, it says this, it says, for truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. We see scripture testifies to itself. Scripture testifies to the truth of who God is. If you've ever seen, it's been circulating on social media, um, if you've ever seen the rainbow of connections across God's word, where something is said in the Old Testament and then it comes true in the New Testament, it happens all throughout scripture. One of my favorite verses in Psalm 119, verse 160, it says this, the sum of your word is truth and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. The sum of his word is truth. Not just the New Testament, where Paul hits us in the face with all these, here's what you got to do to be faithful and sanctified and justified. No, it's the sum of his word. The Old Testament is true. The New Testament is true. It is all true, and it testifies to itself. I think the second way that the Lord upholds this oath is by his gospel. We're talking about Abraham and, and the descendants of Abraham. 
He upholds the oath, the promise to Abraham that he will be blessed and that nations will be blessed by the gospel. And the gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ, that he came, he lived the perfect life, he died on the cross, and that he rose again on the third day, defeating sin, defeating shame, defeating guilt, taking the price that we pay or should have paid. Through the gospel, the the oath is upheld. And I think the last way that the Lord upholds this oath is by his spirit. The Lord, through his goodness and his faithfulness, has allowed us access to his spirit. That the Spirit, the Holy Spirit might come and dwell richly in us, that we might be able to articulate and understand God's Word. That we might be able to understand the things that we're walking through, that it's a light, momentary affliction that is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory that is coming in the day of Christ Jesus. I don't know about y'all, but man, that gets me fired up. Man, He is good. The next passage, as we continue on through this Hebrew 6, in 18 through 20, it says, So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. I want to pause there. It's impossible for God to lie. It's impossible. It's not in his nature. He cannot deny himself. And so as we're going to look at the promises of God here in a little bit, it, I think it's so important that we recognize that when, when God says that he is faithful, it means that he is faithful. As we look at our fallen world around us today, there are a lot of people that say a lot of things. And there's not a lot to back it up. But there's one thing that we can always fall back on. It's that he is faithful. He cannot lie. It goes on. We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. A hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf. Having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Those who are called to Christ, those that are in the name and in the body of Christ, which is those who believe that Jesus Christ is who he says he is, we have this as a sure hope. We have this as a steadfast anchor. The hope that is set before us is that of the eternal life through Jesus Christ. I think it's important to point out that all throughout Scripture, it's not all rainbows and unicorns. We're not promised this glamorous life where if you just are faithful, you're going to get a Mercedes. Oh, if if you're just faithful, you're going to get a nice big piece of land and a nice house. That's not what it says. Trials are promised. Change and transition is promised. James 1 tells us, consider it pure joy when you face trials of various kinds. Not if, when. Consider pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of various kinds, knowing that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect. They may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I think we fail to realize that as we go through trials and tribulation, through change and transition, through loss, that we're called to consider it pure joy, my brothers, when we face those things. Because guess what? He's making us more mature and complete. Not more mature and complete in and of ourselves. He's making us more mature and complete in Him. 
so that when various trials happen, we can cling to the promise of who he is. And so we have God's oath. We have this promise that God has given to Abraham. And we have this oath that we just talked about that is by his word. It is, it is by his gospel and it is through his spirit that we can cling to. And we can use that as a sure and steadfast anchor of our soul. A hope. A hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. I think that imagery is so cool. It is a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain because as, as we look in the Old Testament and we see how sacrifices were made, how dwelling with God the Father happened, it happened behind a curtain where people couldn't even access God. That's why when it talks about when Jesus died and the veil was torn in two and it cut the curtain from top to bottom, that, that there is no more barrier between us and Christ. And so we have this hope, we have this longing after God that we now can dwell with him. And we can now understand and articulate the things that are happening in our lives because we have him as a sure hope. I think in the midst of transition, it's easy for us to get the pro forget the promises of God. I'll tell you this. Um, I wasn't planning on sharing this, but at one o'clock this morning, my last living grandparent went to go be with the Lord. And so in the midst of things like that, in the midst of loss, in the midst of transition, in the midst of change, in the midst of difficulty, we oftentimes fail to forget the promises of who he says he is. And I want to remind us of that. In Romans 8, 28, it says this, He works all things together for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. He's using everything for our good. Although in the short term, it might be painful. We might have some scars. We might bleed a little bit. We might sweat a little bit. But guess what? He's using it for your good and your betterment, whether you see it in the moment or not. God is love. He is love. There's not one specific scripture that I'm going to call out on that one because we know it's all throughout. In John 10, we see that God is, a, he is Jesus is the good shepherd. That that one sheep might go off, but he is willing to leave the 99 to go after that one sheep, that he might get them back into the fold. He is the good shepherd. 2 Timothy 2, 13, if we are faithless, he remains faithful as a promise. No matter our faithlessness, no matter how we wander, no matter how we question, no matter what we walk through and navigate in our life, he remains faithful. Isaiah 41.10, fear not, for I am with you. He's with us. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. That is a promise. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The righteous right hand, the, the almighty hand of God. And where is Jesus Christ seated? The right hand of God. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a hope and a future. You see, the Lord's will is not one that is just obscure. It's not one that it's hard to figure out. I know for a lot of us in this room, it's like, man, what's God's will for my life in this? What's God's will for me to do uh, in this transition? What's God's will for having a child? 
What's, my, what's God's will? I know we've all been there. What's God's will in parenting a child? It's right here. Oftentimes we like to, um, to make it our own. We try to art- over-articulate God's will for our life. Oh, well, I got this shiver when we were singing this worship song, and I think that's the Lord telling me that I need to do this. No. The Lord just calls us to be faithful and obedient. I feel like God shows us his discreet will for our lives by living within the bounds of his revealed will. His revealed will is his scripture. That's what we're called to abide by. That's what we're called to be faithful to. Isaiah 40, 31 says, Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The Lord is strength. He is the one that created strength. So when we are, when we are weak, when we are fainting, when we are weary, who is the one that we should go to? It's not the Red Bull that I drank this morning, I'll tell you that. It's the Lord. He's faithful. Isaiah 43, 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. There is nothing that he will give you that you cannot overcome in him. 1 Thessalonians 5, 24. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. I hope that out of this, what you're hearing is that as we navigate things in our life, as we navigate different situations and circumstances, God is not a God of circumstances. He's a God of promise. He's a God of truth. He's a God of faithfulness. And regardless of the circumstances that we walk through, he still remains God. He still remains consistent. He still remains constant. And though the, the, the earth may quake and move around you, he is still there. And so what I want us to hear is that we can't put God in a box. I think oftentimes we get so focused on what's going on in our world that we forget to understand that it's his world too. You see, the reality is, church, that we ultimately, God does not need any, any one of us. He doesn't need Victor. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need Josh. He doesn't need any of us. But he chooses for us to be part of his kingdom building. And I think when we pridefully take on this whole mentality that we are so important and we are so pivotal, we put too much pressure on ourselves. That as we navigate things in our life that, oh, we make it about us. But it's not about us. It's about his name being great. And so as we think about Abraham and what the Lord had called him to and the promise that he had given him and the timing of that, it's that the Lord might be glorified. It's that the Lord's name might go forth. It's that the Lord might show himself to be faithful. As Heather and I, um, we got married back in 2019, uh, in October of 2019. Um, what a sweet day that was. Uh, we just, we had been friends for a long time and um, the Lord just blessed us and he kind of hit me in the head and said, hey, she's awesome. I think you should marry her. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, well, we got married. It was awesome. Heather is a steadfast woman of God. Those that know her know that to be true. Um, in January of 2020, uh, I got a phone call. I was up at Pine Cove and I was talking. 
I was, I was working with some contractors. We had some material that was being dropped off. And I got a phone call from Heather's mom, from my mother-in-law. And the call, uh, I could hear her crying over the phone. And I said, hey, Mary, what's going on? And she said, hey, um, James, my father-in-law, Heather's dad, had passed away. And that we think that he had taken his own life. I said, okay, what do you need me to do? And she said, um, I said, well, does Heather know? First and foremost, does Heather know? She said, no, I need you to tell Heather. So here I am three months into marriage, trying to be the spiritual leader of our household, trying to navigate what is now the hardest, most difficult time of my life. And I remember um, just telling her like, hey, we're gonna figure it out. Like, well, I'll tell Heather, like, it, it's going to be okay. Saying all the things that, like, in my heart, I'm like, I don't know if it's going to be okay. I don't know how we're going to navigate this. And I called a guy that y'all all know. His name is Pat Preston. And I called Pat, and I said, hey, Pat, here's what's going on. I don't know what to do. Pat came over, and he picked me up, and we sat in his car, and I just looked at Pat, and I said, dude, how do I handle this? How do I navigate this? And Pat just looked me in the eye and he said, we're going to do it exactly how we always do things. We're going to seek to be faithful and obedient with today. We're going to be faithful and obedient with this next conversation. We're going to be faithful and obedient as we, as we navigate the funeral, as we navigate visitation, as we navigate the steps ahead, we are going to seek to be faithful and obedient. And as I think about just what the Lord has walked us through, as I think about that story and then going to the visitation and going to the funeral and seeing thousands of people that came forth and told us about how much they loved James and how, how much of a blessing he was to them. That they sat in his barber chair for 30 years and heard about all the things that he did with the church. About how the Lord had redeemed him. How the Lord had sanctified him and grown him in his relationship with God. And I think about that whole idea of being faithful and obedient. That's all we're called to. It's not rocket science. Be faithful and obedient with what the Lord has given us. And so as Heather and I are about to embark on this, this change, this transition, as we're about to move out to Tekoa, that is what we are leaving here with. That's what this church has continued to spur on in our life. The deacon body that I've been able to serve with Listening to Victor preach, you talk about a man that is faithful and obedient. We are blessed. I want you all to understand this. Change is going to come. Every single one of us, we're going to face it. Trials are, are promised. The question is, are we going to remain faithful and obedient? Are we going to trust in the promises of who God is, no matter the circumstance? Let me pray for us. Father God, you are good. Father, no matter what happens in our life, Father, I'm thankful that we can cling to your promises. Father, I'm thankful that we, that we can trust in who you are. I'm thankful that you are a steadfast anchor for our soul. I'm thankful for the hope that we have in salvation, for the joy that we have in salvation. Father, I pray that we as a body of believers would remain steadfast, 
I pray that as change comes and as things happen in our lives, that we would remain faithful, that we would seek to do your will and not our own, that we would trust your timing, even when it's not happening on the time scale or the time frame that we want it to. Father, I'm so grateful for this church and this body of believers that we've been able to be a part of for the past several years. Father, I pray that you would continue to bless them. I pray that your word would continue to go forth. I pray that uh, members of this church would continue to buy in, that they would continue to seek to see your name be made great, and that we would seek to continue to bring many sons and daughters to glory. Father, we are grateful for you. We are grateful for this time. And Father, I pray that as the service um, continues on, I pray that you would just prick our hearts, that we might hear from you. Father, we love you. We praise you and ask this all in your son's name. Amen. Appreciate it so much. I know that God has great things ahead uh, for Davis and Heather. I appreciate uh, so much their love for him. Uh, like it talks about in that song we just sang, I believe that their hearts really do thirst and hunger for God himself. And so that's how I know that God's going to bless them. It doesn't matter if you're going to Tacoa or Georgia. Is it Tacoa or Tacoa? Yeah. Okay, Tacoa. All right. At first, I thought you said Dakota, Georgia. I was like, <laughs> we're going to Dakota or we're going to Georgia? Okay. But anyway, Tacoa, Georgia, doesn't matter if you're going there or if it's somewhere else later in your life. God's going to use you because you are pointed in the right direction and you're wanting to be faithful and obedient to what he has called you, no matter the circumstances. And so I just thought, what a great opportunity for us to pray for them as they are right there about to leave and to go to the next assignment that God has for them. But I want you to know that we're so grateful for you. And we would say, if it was up to us, we would say, well done, good and faithful servants to both of you. But we'll let God decide uh, his evaluation. But we are so grateful for how you serve so faithfully and diligently, both as a deacon and out at Pine Cove. Thank you for your ministry out there and for your ministry here. So why don't you join me? Let's pray for them. And uh, spiritually, we'll be coming around them and just asking God to guide them. If you want to know what can you pray for them, I want to recommend Colossians 1. Uh, 9 through about verse 13. I think there's a lot of good things there. So if you want to open the Word of God to that passage, uh, you know, we're going through Colossians now. I think that would be a great place that you can say, how can I pray for Davis and Heather and also for your daughter, Riley Kate, uh, to pray for all three of them. I want to just walk us through here and let's pray together these words over them as they make this step of obedience and surrender to the Lord. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, I just first want to thank you so much uh, for Davis and for Heather. Uh, thank you for their obedience to you, their surrender to you, their faithfulness to you. All they want to do in life is just follow you and just honor you. And so, Lord, I know that you're going to bless them wherever you lead them. And I thank you for opening up this opportunity through the ministry at Pine Cove to transition from here over to Georgia. I know that there's going to be a lot of people over in the Southeast that are going to be greatly blessed through these two. Thank you for blessing them with Riley Kate. What a special blessing that she is and how precious and what a treasure. I pray that you continue to guide them as they raise her. 
And one thing we know from raising children is we need to know uh, what your word says about raising children. So we first pray for them, verse 9, and say, would you fill them with the knowledge of your will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding? We don't just mean, Lord, today. We're praying tomorrow. We're praying for uh, this coming week and the next week. We're praying as they make all the transitions to Georgia and get set up there. We're praying that, Lord, every single day for the rest of their lives, that you would help them to understand what you've revealed in your word about your will. And so help them to know how can they take what you've revealed to us in scripture and then train and love and guide and correct and uh, just be a blessing to Riley Kate. And so we lift them up for that. I know that uh, Davis will also have lots of responsibility. He held responsibility here really well. You gave him insight, and I pray that you would also give him insight in the new role. So bless him every single day. Lord, I thank you that it also says that we would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, pleasing to him. So God, we would pray that they would continue to always please you. We pray that Riley Kate, when she grows up, that she also would desire, I want to please the Lord like my mom and my dad pleased the Lord. And so bless them. Lord, we pray for them that they would also bear fruit in every good work. I thank you so much for the good work that they have done here and their work has borne fruit. And we pray that you would continue to bless them with fruitfulness for the rest of their lives. Lord, I thank you that they know so much already. They've learned many things about who you are. But this passage says that we would pray for others that they would increase in the knowledge of God. And so continue, Lord, when they have their daily quiet times, when they have family times of devotion, when they meet with a, a future church family in either a Sunday school setting or a worship setting, that God, you would always continue to help them to learn more of who you are. And so I thank you for that. Lord, it also talks about that they would be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. And so, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen both of them with your power and your strength. I know it's not easy to make a move. It's not easy to pack up a home and then move it and then to settle there and to put everything out there and make all those adjustments and so forth uh, in home life, but also in their ministry and their work life. So, God, we just pray that you give them the strength. Give them the strength, Lord, each and every day. We also pray for the endurance that they would need because it's not easy. It's not easy even raising a little one, but it's not easy making transitions as they go through life. I thank you so much for that beautiful testimony that Davis gave of when Heather lost her father. Thank you so much for her father. Thank you so much for letting them be here during that time that we could embrace them, that we could love them, that we could be here and be a shoulder and support for them. But I thank you, God, that you help them to continue to press through. So continue to give them the endurance that they need for whatever difficult circumstances may come. Lord, we also pray this last one that with joy, that with patience and with joy, they would finish all that you have given them to do. Oh, Lord, they're so young, and it's so exciting for us as a church family. Some of us have been on the trail for a while. We've been serving you for years, 
And it does our hearts so good to see uh, young ones like Davis and Heather say, I'm going to raise my family to love Jesus. And I'm going to let people know that God is faithful and that we as a family, we're going to trust him. So bless them for that, Lord. Let your hand of blessing and protection go over them as they go. But thank you once again for all that they've done here. Bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas.